I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Good morning, Point Church. Good morning. So good to be here. Uh, Pastor didn't have to say all of that. He didn't have to go there. But I just want to thank you guys because uh, since the first day I stepped in here, you guys have made me feel warm and welcome and at home. Um, So I I appreciate you guys, and um, I'm so happy that God placed me here under Pastor Coleman. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much. Today's message, the title is called A Mother's Touch. Will you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all you do for us. Uh, But right now, Father God, I need you to empty out all of me, Father God, and pour all of you inside of me, Father God, and just speak your word to the people so that we will take it and run with it, Father God, and attach it to our spirit, our mind, and our soul. And I just pray for everybody's minds and hearts to be right, to receive the message that you're going to give to us today. And we just want to give you praise and honor for all you do. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Point Church, I will never, ever forget December 15th, 1990. It was 10.30 on a school night, and it was cold. The temperature had to be in the low 30s. It was raining, and it was snowing, and I was wet. My sin finally caught up to me as I sat on my best friend's steps, Jeff Moore, at 1215 Arch Street on the north side of Pittsburgh. I was just hoping Miss Gwendolyn Moore would open up that door and just let me stay just one more night. That's all I needed for that night was just one more night if she would just open up that door. You see, I was a disobedient, troubled teenager, just like the Israelites. I was walking in the wilderness, blinded, didn't know where I was going. And at that particular time, I did what the Israelites normally did, and that was pray that God would get me out of this situation. But thank and praise God for Ms. Gwendolyn Moore. She was like a second mother to me. Yes, wow, what a woman of God. Highly intelligent, hard worker, caring, loving, great leader, and beautiful. I can't tell you that God used this woman to save my life in my teenage years when my mom put me out for not obeying her. Suddenly, I hear the door rattle. And as I look back, Miss Moore is opening up the door, and she yelled at me. She said, Samba, how long have you been sitting here on these steps? And then she said those magical words to me. She said, come on in. Well, today, 
we're going to talk about someone else who demonstrated extraordinary faith, obedience, and courage to our Heavenly Father. And I'm proud to announce her name is Judge Deborah. She was the first female and only female judge in Israel. They called her the mother of Israel. And if you may remember, God put judges in place back then so he could make significant change in society so they could still see that God was in control. So he used the judges. And at this time, Deborah was the one that, that he used. But I'll tell you this, Deborah was good at her job. People from all over Israel would come to her with financial issues, social issues, and then also relationship issues. But it was her leadership. It was her leadership that got me. She led with wisdom and integrity and character. And at the same time, she remained a humble servant. We'll see that her story takes place after King Uhad died. We see once again the Israelites are up to no good again. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, you know the story. <laughs> God wanted to use the Israelites to be an example for the world so they can see God's image on how God's people should walk, talk, and act. But it wasn't good enough for the Israelites. So you know how it is. God had to do what he had to do. So he sold them to King Jabin, the king of Canaan. And then King Jabin turned it over to his right-hand man, Sisera, who was the commander. He was known for his 900 iron chariots. And those chariots represented a huge, powerful army, which led to the Israelites being oppressed for over 20 years. The Israelites finally woke up and cried out to the Lord once again. Now, let's take a look at Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. After Ehud had died, so the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hersheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. You see, in verse 1, this wasn't the first time the Israelites turned their back on God. As it states here, the Israelites again, again, just like in chapter 3, they did it to God. And then if we move forward in chapter 6, they did the same thing. They desired to follow other idols and fell deep into sin. You know, Point Church, you see the consequences sin sometimes gets us in situations that we regret. But we earn it, just like the Israelites earned it, being sold in slavery. So in my sin of not obeying my mom, she gave me exactly what I wanted, freedom. 
freedom to be homeless. And the Lord gave the Israelites exactly what they wanted. So he sold them to King Jabin. But what we find out about King Jabin is he was a very harsh ruler. I mean, very, 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 very harsh. And then his, his second in command, Sesera, loved to abuse people. He loved to abuse women. He was very violent. And he was so known and proudful of his 900 chariots that oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. You see, this is so many times in our own lives in sinful arena. It starts off with just a little bit of sin, and then the sin builds, and then it builds, and then it builds, and it gets to a point in our lives where we can't control it, and then we call out to the Lord. How many of you have found yourself crying out to the God after your sinful mess? Let's take a look at verse 4 and 5. Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. Now we get introduced to Deborah. You know, she's a prophetess and a wife of Lepidoth. And if you notice, God's plan is already at work. He's preparing, De- he's preparing Deborah for this moment because the text says Deborah was judging Israel at the time. I want to tell you this. Deborah was cool, if you didn't know. And in Pittsburgh, we would say she had swag. But Deborah was great. She was a great judge. She was so good, they named the palm tree after her because so many people trusted in her and her wisdom and her integrity and her character. Just so you know, in these days, the history, women didn't have the type of power and prestige that Deborah had. The people were looking for men to lead. But praise God for Deborah's boldness. As we look at verse 6 and 7, she summoned Barak, son of Abion, from Kadesh and Napatel, and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, deploy the troops on Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from Napolites and the Zebulites. Then I will lure Sesera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots, and his infantry at the Wada Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand them over to you. The first thing you're thinking about right now is, how long did he take to study and pronounce these words? Can I get an amen? Deborah summoned Barak. And if you notice, Deborah says, hasn't the Lord commanded you? Which leads us to our first point, obey God's will for your life. You see, this wasn't the first time God revealed to Barak the will for his life. Because it says, Deborah says, hasn't the Lord? It's funny, we pray for God's perfect will for our lives, but somehow we always want it to look like how we want it to look like. 
It's a shame that just like Barak would not give his total trust to the Lord because it didn't line up to what he looks like. I'll give you an example point, church. You know, a woman is praying for that godly man to come into her life, and when God sends that godly man to her life, the first thing she says is, he's too short, or he don't make enough money, or we'll be praying for a job, and we're praying and we're praying, and God presents us his job, but it's not in the city that we want, or the pay is not what we dreamed about. You see, Deborah already knew what God wanted for Barak, but Barak just wasn't ready to obey God's will. You ever been in denial for what God is calling you to do? Some of us won't even receive God's blessing because we won't obey God's will for our life. Let's take a look at verses 8, 9, and 10. And verse 8 says, Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulon and Napotel to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him. And Deborah also went with him. We see two things in this verse, verse 8. Barak definitely lacks courage. And the second thing is, Barak knows that Deborah has courage. He's a smart man. He figured it out. But Deborah's faith was so strong. Because when you have faith like Deborah, In God, it breeds courage because you believe in the awesome, powerful God, the God of all-knowing, the God of all-present, the God of all-powerful. And and then in verse 9, and then in verse 9, then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. I got blessed in my life, Point Church. I got really blessed. All I know is powerful women. That's all I've been around. That's all I grew up with. I don't know anything different. And Miss Norma Jean Hunt was like a second mom to me as well growing up. And I tell you, she had Deborah-like courage. She talked, walked, and acted like Jesus would want us to act. So when we would go over to her house, and she could cook now, so after we got done eating dinner, she would always tell us about if we have a relationship with Jesus, how it would change our lives, how our lives would look different, how our vision and how we would see the world would look different. And by the way, two weeks before I gave my life to Christ, I was walking out of a post office, and I was mailing something for my mom. And I was walking out, and this Christian couple stopped me, and they said, 
hey, can we talk to you for a second? And they gave me a brochure, and they, they start telling me about the church and, and about, you know, won't you come to worship, and this is going to be great, and we're going to have food, and we're going to sing songs, and family's going to be there and so forth. And I, I greeted them with a smile. But as soon as, they, as soon as I got by them, I said, man, I ain't going to that. I ain't going to that. I wasn't even a Christian. And then two weeks later, I happened to be playing basketball at the University of Carnegie Mellon, and somehow this guy came on my team, and I was feeding him. He was feeding me. We were scoring basketball. We was having a lot of fun. But I still can remember when the games were over with, we sat right down underneath the basket, and he looked at me, and he said, we're having a church picnic. Yeah, my church, up at the University of Pittsburgh at the Cathedral of Learning, Right in front of that area. I was like, yeah, I know that area. They play football up there. Yeah, I know. I'm going to strongly consider that. At that point, I'm like, God must be trying to get my attention. And all I could think about was Miss Norma Jean Hunt. So the first thing I did was run over to her house, and I, I came to her house. I knocked on the door. I said, Miss Hunt, Miss Hunt, Miss Hunt, this is what happened to me. I said, is God trying to get my attention? She yelled. She said, Samba, God is trying to get your attention, boy. Her Deborah-like courage led me to go to church that following Sunday at Metropolitan Baptist Church on Jacksonian Street. A few months I got saved and baptized at that very same church because Miss Hunt, having that Deborah-like courage to express her faith to me and the rest of my friends. You see, just like Miss Hunt, Walk with me in the development of my faith. Deborah walked with Barack in, in strengthening his faith. And that point there is to have Deborah like faith. Number two. But I guess being around Deborah like mothers in my life is the reason why at East Hill Christian Basketball Program. You'll hear me say on many occasions, whether it's at practice or at a team meeting, are we taking care of our moms? You'll hear me say loud and clear. Because I've seen so many Deborah-like moms in my life walk with their sons and daughters through life. And then I'll give them the million-dollar question, and I'll say, what if I pulled your mom aside and gave her a first-class ticket to Hawaii for two months? How would your life look like? It would look real scary, wouldn't it? And you should see those young ladies and those young men look at me with their eyes big as I don't know what, like they saw a deer, and their eyebrows on the top of their heads. And they look at me and they say, Coach, you're right. Coach, you're right. You're right. But one key thing I liked about what Deborah says to Barack in verse 9, she says, I will go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. You see, Deborah gives Barak the motherly touch. She knows Barak's heart. So she's trying to keep Barak grounded and reliant on God. I don't know about you, but I'll just speak for the men in this room. We can get real prideful, real, real, real prideful. I'll start speaking for myself. 
that we'll go along with God's will. We'll go along, we'll go along. And then at the end, for some reason, when celebrations happen and pats on the back get carried out, we start saying I instead of praising him. So Deborah gives Barak a motherly touch to keep him grounded and relying on our heavenly father. Praise, praise Deborah for that and carrying out God's mission. But let me ask you a question. What is something in your life that God has done that you're taking credit for right now? As we look at verse 10 through 13, things start to pick up, and Barak summoned Zebulon and uh, Naphtal to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with, went, went with him. Now, Herber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the son of Hobad, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zanum, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sesera that Barak, son of Abion, had gone up to Mount Tabor, and then Sesera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from Hersheth of the nations to the water Kishon. See, Barak, now God has got him getting his army. And then Sesera gets word, and now he's getting his 900 iron chariots, and he's ready, and gets his other men, and he's ready to go to war. But when we look at those 900 chariots, there is no way, no way Barak's army could defeat that. There's no way. We wouldn't even be at this point if Deborah would not have walked with Barak. I don't know about you, but I need a Deborah in my life. I see Miss Patty Jones. Every time a new member comes, she's always the first to, to go and walk with them. I see it every time we do a baptism. She walks with our new believers here at the Point Church. You know, every single person in this room today has had a mentor or a pastor like Timothy had Paul or a person like Deborah to get you to a certain point in your life spiritually. And we should be praising God for that. And as we look at verse 14, 15, and 16, verse 14 says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera all his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariots and fled on the foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Hersheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Barak finally became obedient, which leads us to our third and last point. Be obedient to God's word. 
Barak finally woke up. And look what happened. God's plan got carried out. You see, when we are obedient to God's word, great things happen for God's glory, not our own. We see God implementing his power in verse 15 over Sisera, who who oppressed God's people. And he uses Deborah and Barak and those 10,000 men to do it. It's very fitting that God always has to go ahead of us to carry out his plan. And I'm so glad. I'll speak for myself. I'll screw it up. And, hey, point church, I know you will too. He's just waiting for us. He's just waiting for us to be obedient to his word. That's all he wants from us. That's not even too much to ask. And then in 16, verse 16, wow, this is, uh, this is truly amazing right here. What God can do through his peoples as long as we stay obedient to his word. I love what Charles Stanley says right here. He says, anything other than God's plan carried out God's way and in God's timing amounts to self-reliance. Yes. Church, can I get an amen? Point church, we will, will we use this wonderful example we just witnessed of Judge Deborah to follow God's will for your life and to have Courage like Deborah. Obedience like Deborah. And faith like Deborah. I still can remember the morning I woke up after my mom had told me that she had stage four cancer. She happened to be downstairs cooking breakfast. And I woke up and um, I rushed downstairs because I just, I just wanted to spend time with her. And as I got downstairs, I, I approached the room, and, and when I got to the room, she was standing over by the stove, and I, I, I immediately went to my knees. And, and when I went to my knees, I, I just grabbed a hold of her. I grabbed a hold of her like little kids do when they grab their moms, and, and I just squeezed her. And I, I said to her, Mom, please don't die. Mom, please don't die. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And as I looked up to her, and she looked down at me, she said, where's your faith? She said, son, where's your faith? And, and at that moment, I, what I learned from that moment after reading Judge Deborah is the point church. We got to obey God's will for our life. When God says go, we got to go. We can't have any form of any hesitation. We must have Deborah-like faith. You must believe God's plan is perfect. And then we must be obedient to to God. Lose yourself and obey God's word. Judge Deborah, the point church says thank you for carrying out God's plan for his kingdom. Deborah, thank you for your motherly touch. Let's pray. Lord, 
we graciously thank you and adore you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your, your word. We thank you on how you use Deborah to show the world an example of obedience, and courage, and faith. Father God, all I ask today is that we hear this message and you just stamp it on our soul and on our mind and in our hearts that we execute your plan for our lives and we move away any selfish desires and any, any eye moments and make it a God moment through your son, Jesus. And I ask this in your perfect will, in Jesus' name, amen.